Welcome to The Coaching Cast, your working from home managers club. Here to check in with you weekly to share your working highs and lows, remind you that you're not alone and that there's many of us outside of your current four walls, all trying to be the best coach, leader, manager and human being we can be. I'm Susie, sales and business coach at Future You Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a toddler who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. And I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo which suffocates rather than advocates. In this podcast we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment. Presenting different topics each episode which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips for you to take away and try for yourself. We hope you enjoy listening. Today's episode is all about team development, specifically exploring the attributes of a high-performing team, helping you recognise if you've been or are part of one, the benefits this team setup can bring to business outcomes, plus exploring how to create a high-performing team for yourself. So stay with us and enjoy. So before we get into this week's episode, Lisa, what's been going on? So this week, I've been waiting with bated breath around Boris's announcements on what's going to happen next. So obviously... His last uh, deadline didn't get met. So Freedom Day, which did you, I didn't realise everyone was calling it that, by the way. Yeah, I know. Well, I totally I, missed that. I'd arranged a day out that day to celebrate Freedom Day with oh, my right. friend, which was fine. We still did it, but we just wore masks as part yeah. of it. I didn't even realise that was what it was called. So people kept referring to it as Freedom Day to me. And I was thinking, what is this? And I was like, I've, missed some, missed? Sort of like, I've missed some sort of like historical momentous date. And to be fair, I was thinking of Nelson Mandela and like Walk to Freedom. <laughs> and I was thinking, I didn't realise this was the thing. Anyway, I don't know how I've missed that, but clearly I've been like living under a rock. So obviously the last announcement didn't really go to plan. Yeah. But he suddenly seems to suddenly become quite bolshy and uh, quite bold in respect of what he thinks is going to happen next and saying, yeah, all regulations are going to be abolished, which, to be quite honest, I am over the moon about, specifically the mask wearing, because I hate it so much. Yeah, I do. Set my face free. So I'm looking, <laughs> um, that's, that's going to be my freedom day. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because, oh, God, I'm sick of the whole anxiety around, have I got a mask? Is it is in my handbag? Have I got I one know. in my pocket? Oh God, hang on. I've got a spare one in my car. Like it has been the accessory of 2020, 2021. Who would have thought it? A I face know. mask. So I'm quite looking forward to getting rid of that. Because I know everyone talks about macne. Is that the what they say about the spots all over yeah. your face? For me, it's the constantly like plucking mask fluff out of my nostrils. <laughs> what Honestly, an image. I know. <laughs> It's horrendous. I've got such a dry nose all the time. Yes, hay fever has contributed to that because I don't know what the plants are doing this year, but they have gone mental. I actually feel like they've, a bit like last year, I don't know when people were saying all of us in lockdown has meant that surely there's a more positive impact on the planet because we're travelling less, which actually I don't think was ever proven to actually be the case. But anyway, I think the animal and plant kingdom have like taken a step up in the last 18 Flourished. months yeah and hay fever this year everyone I've spoken to and I would never have classified myself really as a hay fever sufferer yeah. have totally struggled this year it has been the worst ever there is a tree next to my house that has it in for me I swear but that on top of mask fluff up the nostrils honestly by the end of the day my nose is like so irritated so yeah I can't wait to get rid of it and then I won't be constantly like you know sneezing mask fluff it might just be I've got a poor mask, to be fair, but <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I'd be interested to know what everyone else's thoughts are around the lifting of the uh, the, the restrictions, as it were, because I suspect it's going to be a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, well, on the um, subject of masks, my little boy has only ever really experienced people wearing masks because he was born at the back end of 2019. Yeah. So when he kind of was becoming aware of his surroundings, kind of like at the, the early part of 2020, like springtime, obviously everyone's them becoming more um, focused on wearing masks and things. Mm. 
to the point now where is if he, if he sees mine or my husband's he'll like pick it up and like try to put it on which he obviously can't but because he thinks that's what he should be doing because everybody's been wearing yeah, them yeah. so I actually think it's gonna be really interesting for, like for him when everyone stops wearing them to the extent we are now and they'll be like oh my god people have got faces people like, have got faces not, but that might frighten that him that might yeah, be a bad exactly. thing some exactly. of the some of us have benefited from a mask so wow. it's gonna it's gonna be interesting I went up talking about little people I um there was a baby uh that I walked past uh, recently and I mean I am quite I suppose I'm quite I can be quite intimidating because I'm so enthusiastic and I do get into people's <laughs> faces so I have struggled with the notion of social distancing for the last 18 months but especially with children um I think I went up to this little person I actually thought I was subtle this was subtle for me but I anyway I went up to them because they were so cute and I went to admire them and I pulled my mask down <laughs> And was like, hello. Uh, yeah, the baby screamed the yeah. place down. And it was in this lovely pub garden, very tranquil and peaceful. And the parents gave me daggers. You could tell they were like, thanks for that. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. And they were like, it's fine. It's not your fault. He's not used to seeing people. And, you know, yeah. you had your mask on, you took it off. It's not your fault. But, oh, my God, this baby wouldn't settle then. And then the whole garden was annoyed because I'd broken the peace. But obviously they weren't oh. annoyed at me. They were annoyed at the parents. It was very awkward. So I was like, see you later. Just like tiptoe away from the massacre I've just left behind. I was like, oh, no. So, yeah, poor kid. Traumatised it. That's what I'm saying. I, clearly, he thought I benefited from wearing the mask because what was underneath was not not not, not pleasant. It was too no, It's going to be a whole, like, generation of kids who are just not used to seeing people not wearing masks. It's going to be so weird. They'll get over it. They'll get used but there to it. There we again. go. Surely. There I can't we go. wait to get rid of it. But how was, anyway, how was your week? Well, we'll go from Boris to um, Jeremy Clarkson. Quite oh. a transition there. Uh, I'm obsessed. I've got a new show that I'm getting into. And that new show is Clarkson's Farm. It's brilliant. I've seen it. I've seen it because it's down the road from where I live. I thought I it live, was. I literally live next door. So he's, that's based over at Chadlington. I'm literally next door. I'm in the village along. I've said to Dom, my husband, I'm like, we've got to go to Diddley Squat. You've got to go to the Diddley I Squat know. farm shop. I need to go to Diddley Squat. I think it's brilliant. I've loved watching it and I it's love so good. And it's And I'm sure it's his dad, the chap who is a... Uh, the, I mean, yes, I've I've he- I've read a lot about the fact that it's been edited in a way that yeah, puts it across course. that he can't, you know. Artic- but I mean, it's absolutely gold. I love it. I really apparently they've got another season commissioned. I'm like, yes, I loved it. Um, honestly, we have like because my little boy is obsessed with tractors, so Aww. we have a lot of <clears throat> farm tractor based tv goes on in the day in our house when um he's at home um to give me five minutes peace to be <laughs> frank um and then in the evening we've kind of got into this i feel like i'm just surrounded by tractors in kind of my day everyday life at the minute yeah. um, but i've actually learned quite a lot about farming as well like, i found it quite educational didn't know a huge amount about it no. and so i've just found like all the stuff that they do like when they need to plant and when they need to do the la- start lambing season all this stuff like, yeah. i didn't know any of this before it's actually really interesting interesting it's so um, interesting I think it really so demonstrates funny. him in a different light as well I think it shows him in a very different way I mean he's still got clearly a lot of his traits that you were familiar with watching in Top Gear and like the Grand yeah. Tour and things but he seems a lot more human and down to earth in this I, yeah I, we've loved watching it I also I mean god I thought farming was a tough life before <sighs> but now my god I know it's who who does it like how do you ever make any money? I'm just like, like, oh my God. Yeah, shout out to all the farmers out there. Big shout out to the farming community if you're listening. Absolutely. Anyone who works in the farming community, we are in awe of we what are. you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also quite interested to learn more. Well, I am anyway. Um, so yeah, so that's been really exciting. And then the other thing we have to talk about, just because we've been so active on our Instagram about it, is we've been trying to make reels, haven't oh, we, yeah. for our Instagram. We've done very well, actually. New TikTok stars. <laughs> so, um, if anyone who follows us on Instagram, uh, our page is at the Coaching Cast. You will see that um, in the last few weeks, Lisa and I have been trying to up our game and get cool uh, and get with it on the old uh, socials, and we've been doing a few reels. Which, honestly, if you if there'd been a reel of us trying to do a reel, I mean, that's a concept there. Maybe like, we should just do that. That would probably be quite entertaining actually hilarious so one it's so flipping complicated to do two 
I feel like a tech nana trying to figure out what the hell I'm meant to be doing. Lisa's <laughs> pretty much nailed it. Oh, but honestly, isn't it hilarious? Yeah, it is hilarious. trying to sort out this reel. I mean, yeah. So apologies for anyone who has actually also viewed our reels and thought, what the hell are these lot doing? <laughs> we will try and be better and work better on our reels. But I had to call it out because, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress, isn't it? Definitely. All feedback welcome, as always. <laughs> Right, shall we get chatting? Let's do it. With football mania sweeping across the country with the Euros, it's hard not to reflect and decipher the makeup and performance of the England squad so far. In our analysis, as two people fascinated by teams and leadership, but with little knowledge of football, to be frank, our assessment is that there are a mixture of players in the team, young and old, who all bring different strengths, experiences and perspectives, but who are all clearly unified behind one thing, which is to win the Euros title. During their Euros campaign, the England squad have been working together to deliver an elite performance with the desired outcome to win that trophy a team setup and performance which can often be referred to as high performing. So Lisa, let's delve into this idea further. Are you able to give us an example of a time you've worked in a team which could be described as high performing? So where everything was in tune and well, just came together. Yes, I can. And I feel quite fortunate about it actually. Because I suppose, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it feels when you're working in a high performing team, uh, and we'll talk a bit more about what that actually means, it did feel like a privilege to be there, which is mainly because of how much I enjoyed it. And because of the success, not just as a team that we gained, but as I did personally too. Yeah. But at the same time, I suppose that feels a bit sad to say it as though it's a privilege because that makes it sound like a rare thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is not really what I mean but actually it's a lot harder to achieve than you think but that is because and we've said it before we're all complicated individuals multi-layered multifaceted and what that brings is a lot of diversity which is a great thing and we'll talk about that but it comes with challenges so it doesn't always flow together but when it does god it's great so I think my example is from a number of years ago now. So, gosh, when was it? Probably about uh, six years ago. And okay. I joined a, a leadership team looking after a large customer service department, which consisted of about 100 individuals. So I was one of, oh God, I think there was about five or six of us who had like had carved up the department and were were leading it feeding into a, our head and it was a time where that particular department had gone through a huge dramatic transformational change and the impact that it had on individuals had been very negative and actually the department had lost a lot of people because of it So it was at the time being described as a crisis, which I think is a word you have to use really lightly because it sounds so catastrophic. It's quite an inflammatory word, but it was simply because I think they'd literally lost like 40 people. And so there was a big resource gap on top of system issues because that had been the trigger for the change. And what the whole department was lacking was like cohesiveness and Uh, a direction and a a way out of the situation so it was a really exciting time to join that team a lot of people may not enjoy that environment but to be thrown into a situation where there's a problem and you've got to fix it you have such a great opportunity to make an impact very quickly and a positive one and the way in which the leadership team evolved during that time is one of the best experiences I've ever had in work because it was hard. It was difficult, but actually the way in which we thrashed out solutions and built our relationships and where we managed to get to by the end of it was really, really enjoyable and rewarding because Mm -hmm. we were able to move the team forward and resolve the issues and start growing performance more positively And actually, 
what I enjoyed the most about it was building the relationships with the other leaders. And it was hard because there was lots of us. We were all very different, but I think that was a good thing. We came with different perspectives, like you referenced with the with the uh, England football team. You know, we came with different perspectives, different sets of experience. Um, our skill sets were varied. And I think that was very clever from the perspective of our head of department who'd pulled us together. I think that was done intentionally. And although at first, yes, we did like not necessarily rub along very well, the one um, consistent approach always being led by my head of department was we come together, we have open, honest conversations and we talk about what's going on. And he had us meeting up as a leadership team daily. So we would have to have check-ins every day. It was only for like 30 minutes. And we would have one then large team meeting every week. But his point was, we have to stay connected. We have to keep communicating with one another and sharing what's going on because things are happening all the time. And we have to be honest. We have to be straight. So he was really a huge advocate for um, encouraging us to give feedback to one another, the good and the bad. Uh, And it definitely created an environment of like openness, honesty, and trust. And where you knew that you were all working together to pull in the same direction. So like you were talking about, you know, England football team, they want to win. That's the shared goal. Yeah. And I do think the the strongest performing teams are those who are all aligned to the same purpose and the same yeah. goal. You can have individual uh, purposes of course you can but what's when it works brilliantly is when your personal purpose is contributing to the overall team yeah. like like goal at the end what about yourself so I have also had the privilege to experience working in what I would call a high performing team um I have to say during that time back in it was in 2018 so a few years ago three years ago now I absolutely loved going to work. It was brilliant. It was such good fun. I worked with um, a diverse set of leaders, again, who all brought different strengths and different things to the team. So again, I was in, it's kind of similar to you, I was part of a, a newly formed leadership team who were managing at the time was called our sales channel for out of home worked for um, a lady called Hannah, who I think I've mentioned previously yeah. on, on some episodes. Um, and I worked with some brilliant colleagues and peers on that leadership team. Um, and they were really, we were really supportive of each other. And I would say that we put effort into building relationships with each other, of which most of those people I'm still uh good friends with now and and talk to and reach out to now um we trusted each other that took time we had to learn to trust Mm. each other um we held each other to account because we had that relationship there and actually that was also good around how we overcame conflict because it wasn't all rosy don't get me wrong you know we we were up against we, we had to deliver some very challenging sales performance in that particular year I think it was like double digit growth um and so actually there were times where, you know, there were challenges, there was conflict. Um, but I remember reflecting back that we dealt with that and how we overcame that was very much based as a team mm. where we would all pitch in and help, even if it wasn't within our certain remit. So I remember, for example, going to, um, we had some resource challenges. So I kind of went in and helped recruit um, with alongside my colleague um, for somebody in, in uh, in her team because I have specialism in, in kind of recruitment and interviewing equally I remember when um I was facing some um issues around kind of how we like commercialize the the area that I was looking into my colleague Lucy stepped in and helped and supported me with that so there was within that that's how we kind of created trust accountability but also how we faced into conflict and it was mm. very much through empowering each of us but also where we came together when we needed to as well and that was really important yeah I think the word accountability is so strong in what you've just said and that was definitely what 
we advocated as well and and it wasn't in an accusatory fashion it wasn't about picking holes it wasn't about pointing finger it was simply saying that we each recognized our accountability and our level of accountability not just to our role and to the teams that we led but to each other and as a collective and we did it, it was very much in that kind of we're sharing it out so we equal we're equal in that regard and absolutely in respect of that and we're going to help each other to do it so you never felt on your own and I've definitely been in teams where I might have been under a team in the labeling but I've never felt so alone within it because the opposite was true of what we've just described it was very much you're doing yours I do mine yeah and we don't help each other and we criticize one another. And I mean, and that is a really toxic environment um, yeah. where you don't feel like anyone's really got your back, which yeah. is, you know, and that that's definitely when I've been at my lowest in some of my career uh, yeah. roles. I can remember feeling really energized when I was working in that team. Uh, yeah. Pretty much, I have to say, pretty much every day yeah. th- that I was working. And let's be realistic, that doesn't happen often. We don't feel energized no. every single working day. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, it's because, you know, Hannah was brilliant at celebrating success and appreciation. Yeah. And so, you know, and I felt really empowered, like we were just talking about before, around delivering my very clear role and responsibilities but everybody had those so everybody was very clear around what Mm. their roles and responsibilities were but it layered back up to this bigger um and I hate you know I hate using the word vision sometimes and purpose because it can be a bit woolly about what does that mean but in this instance it was very much we had a very clear objective as a team which was delivering double digit growth and sales performance and all of our and I can kind of concretely say all of our individual objectives led to achieving that and we did achieve that as a team that year Mm. and um there was something just really energizing about that 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 um power of clarity yeah yeah and it and it got I remember this one situation so it was a Friday morning we were in um we were in head office in London um we'd all driven in because a lot of us worked in various different locations and we had a meeting with um at the time was the COO of the the organization we worked for um and we were there to present our kind of um quarterly review so we were all in there with Hannah we all had our own individual remits what we were presenting and talking about and our areas of expertise which we did all at the end he said and I'll never forget this he said you all sat here now I can tell you are like a high functioning team I can just see it um you're the way you're communicating with each other the way you're listening the way you have acknowledged each other the skills that you clearly individually bring which are different but complement each other and he was like and that's really rare and he said I remember saying he said take it in right now because you probably won't like necessarily experience this again not certainly in a short period of time because this takes a lot of time and effort to get to this point and Mm. it's rare he called it out in that meeting and I remember sat at the time like yeah 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 brilliant great but actually now he was right now reflecting back on it Mm. I really view that period of my of my career as a point where I was very lucky to work with such an amazing group of people mm. who I would consider as definitely high performing in that mm. period of time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, having that called out is, is stuck in my mind. Yeah, which is incredible. And like you said around, you're still in touch with all those individuals now and call them yeah. friends. It's the same with me. I'm still in touch with a lot of those individuals who I worked with all those years ago and we're still friends. And actually we've been talking recently about trying to get together. Um, so it's it's kind of transcended work. It's not about work because we all work now in very different places and doing different Absolutely. things. Um, but and I think it's all of important. us have held that experience. Definitely. And I think it's important just to call out here that, you know, I know some of our listeners don't work in big teams. They Mm. just may work with one other person, two other people. What we're talking about here 
isn't just exclusive for big organizations and big teams. You can take this and create a high-performing team literally with you and one other person. Yeah, absolutely. Because the principles are still the same, which is what we'll talk about, which is well, how how does this even come about? Like, how do you do this? <coughs> absolutely. So what do you think makes a high-performing team versus like just a team? So I think based on the stories or experiences you and I've just shared, I think there is some common themes. I think the high performing team is a team that is honest and open with each other. Mm-hmm. And you're right to call out that takes time. Like every individual has to be invested in that aim it doesn't just happen overnight and it doesn't just happen with one person leading it on behalf of everybody else. So I think it's having that very open agenda from the start that that's what you want to achieve and then everyone working to be able to do that. And for some of us, it's easier than, than uh, easy to do than it is for others. I know I find it quite easy to be open, um, but I recognize that other people don't. Yeah. So I think Uh, you know, that's absolutely fine. I think it's just everyone at least acknowledging how critically important it is and working to to achieve it. So I think being honest and open with one another and having that consistent communication in place so you're always staying connected. Because in a team, as you say, even if it's just one or two of you, actually you can become quite disconnected and operate very separately very quickly even if you are in part of a team if you stop talking mm-hmm. because work is busy businesses are busy the world's busy things are moving and changing all the time yeah. uh, so it, it doesn't take that long actually to suddenly not be aligned so it is a commitment to communication so that everyone is very clear about what is actually going on how are we doing are we clear about our current performance are we clear about the current challenges and anything that's just suddenly been thrown up at us are we clear about what we're going to do yeah I I think I mean I do call it over communicating but I think it's because I really don't think it can ever do any harm Mm. Mm. so I think like they're the they're the two things that stand out for me I think the other from what we were talking about uh is because I think we've both mentioned it in terms of the makeup of the team. And obviously if it's been done with intention, if you've been able to join a team at its birth, which is always really exciting anyway, if you've been able to join a new team, I've loved all the experiences (laughs) of joining new teams because you get to join it at its, you know, conception and build it up. But (laughs) but equally, if you don't have that opportunity and you do just join a team, you're still going to join a a team of diverse individuals. You're not all the same. I think acknowledging that and and celebrating it and utilising it is so, so important because actually I know when I've enjoyed being part of a high-performing team, it's often also because my strengths have been acknowledged and are being celebrated and used. And because that, you know, that's made me feel great about myself. It's boosted my confidence. But yeah. It's also kept me in a space where I'm doing what I really enjoy doing. And I'm able, you know, all of us who have our strengths, we want to use them. That's why they're our strengths. 100%. Uh, so I think acknowledging all the differences, the diversities and totally harnessing them and enabling every individual to take on responsibilities that best suit them is 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 so, so key to a high performing team. Yeah. So I think they're my they're my three standouts. Yeah. I think for me, like based on my experience, like I was talking about before working in Hannah's team, I would add that there was kind of a, um, a real clear requirement all the time that we would be kind of like needed to participate highly. And what I mean by that, just to kind of break that down, is I was always asked, my view I was always asked for my recommendation or my thoughts on something or um for help on something even if it didn't fall into my particular kind of operational remit Mm. um and that what that did was that kind of created this I suppose this intangible culture around problem solving and being collaborative in doing that and 
that made everybody accountable, whether that was in your particular remit or not. It was what created that team element. Mm, mm. And so because of that, I personally knew that I always wanted to then go on to achieve because it was like bigger than just me and my area because I kind of got an invested interest in what happened over there in that particular area of the team because I'd been asked for my viewpoint or did I have any suggestions and so that then kind of made me semi-accountable for yeah, that yeah, yeah. as well. Well you were, you were encouraged to contribute yeah and it's like exactly. activity which you know when you're in a team there are, you know, there are, there are more than you there. So yeah, that, that such poor articulation of that point. But there is more than one of you there. Is my point? Yeah. And actually, that's the difference between working solo and being part of a team. There's suddenly more than more than you, and there's a purpose behind that. There's a reason for it that there. It's better to have more than one, and you want to utilize it. And Absolutely. that inclusivity and the encouragement for inclusivity and collaboration is is crucial to to that. Otherwise, you are just people working alongside each other. You exactly. get that silo working, which I yeah. think, God, within a team, the silo working is it's so ineffective, so inefficient, and actually so it can be so damaging. I think, and as I said, I've experienced it before. Yeah, I've experienced it as well. And and you're right, that it that is what f- for me, that silo working is what a team is is can be what just a team is. That inclusivity around um working collaborative, asking people for their thoughts, recommendations, ideas is what takes you, in my opinion, to become more of a high performing yeah. team yeah. with um an outcome which is maybe more ambitious, more challenging than you ever thought was achievable. And that's for me, you know, like I said, it, it, on my experience of working in, in Hannah's team, that was what it was that made us high performing in that mm. moment. Mm. Um, and I think it is crucial that, you know, when we, if we are working or operating in a team or we're leading a team, we really think about that. What is those steps that will take us to that next level of becoming high performing if we aren't already? Yeah, because, I mean, it's a, it's quite a... A crucial moment I think when you know if you find that you are in a siloed environment even within your team that if it gets called out and addressed it's interesting to see what happens because people will either work to band together or people will leave yeah and I and I think at times that's been and I and I said I've seen it and I've been part of it. It's it's so critically important to face into it and address it because you will never become that high high performing team if you're not all aligned to achieve it, and you will just continue to be uh, a team only by name, not by actual reality. So, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this because actually, if you're not all aligned, if you're not if you're not all wanting to be there it is time for people to reconsider what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you're leading that team as well, so let's just take it back to the football, to, mm. to the England squad. So on Saturday, we obviously had an amazing performance against um, Ukraine. Um, and I watched the po- the interview posted, which I, I talked a little bit about on my latest in, uh, LinkedIn post, but there was an interview with Gareth Southgate. And one of the things he did was in that interview, he called out the players who also hadn't played in that game and what their contribution had been Mm. and also the people who were working in the background who weren't necessarily on the pitch in those 90 minutes on Saturday Mm. and actually what that does then as as a leader of that team is that creates that inclusivity that although you weren't necessarily there kicking that football around on the pitch on Saturday you still had a massive contribution to the success and the outcome of that game on Saturday Mm. and as a leader and we've talked about it before in terms of your role as a leader and what great leaders do but that is a great example of how he has led and is leading a high performing team through his actions and bringing that inclusivity into the mix Mm. Um, and it's so important yeah, without a doubt. I love Gareth Southgate. I yeah, Gareth. Gareth Southgate. If anyone knows Gareth Southgate and he'd like to come on the coaching cast to be interviewed, oh, yeah. then uh, please let us know. Yeah, we would I'd love him to Absolutely be. love him to come on the coaching cast. Love him to be here. But his bounce back from the missed penalty, if everyone will remember this, 
I'll yeah. never forget it. I remember watching that game and crying with him to his incredible uh, skills as a coach today. Just incredible. Love him. He's such love a him. nice man as well. I love him in every interview. <laughs> he talks so much sense. He's exactly the right influence that I think a team requires. You know, I definitely. Brilliant. Okay. So what would be your suggestions then in creating a high performing team or if you don't have a big team around you or any form of team developing a culture of high performance so I think what I would start with is checking in to ensure that everyone who is there wants to be there now in terms of the approach around that, I know, I, I mean, I can be quite direct as an individual, but that is because I think directness is clarity. And at times it's better to have that difficult conversation and call it to cut through everything and just get to the point. But I, I do think the first part has got to be checking in and ensuring that everyone you have whether that be one person even or five or 10, whatever wants to be there and yeah. understands why they're there. <laughs> because I think if you start from that place and you're confident that the people you have are at least in a space where they're willing to represent themselves, do the job and support you to grow the team you've got the right mindset straight away and you'll, you'll separate away from those who are not in the right space. And yeah. yes, it's about supporting them in a different way, but I think that just creates that foundation of we're starting off in the, in the right, in the right place. I, that, that's always what I would suggest. And I think it's what I've always done. If I've ever joined a new team, either to be part of a new team that's already forming or whether it's even taking on leadership of a team and that's I'm the new person that's always where I've started and trying to understand what is everyone's motivations and aspirations to ensure that actually I understand that I recognize their strengths so I understand how best to utilize them and engage them and ensure that I'm empowering them in the right way because I'm actually enabling them to do the things that they want to do and that they enjoy doing. And I can clearly see where my gaps in strengths are if we need to then to fill that. Um, but also it starts from a position straight away of being open and honest as well. Mm -hmm. And as I said before, I do think that's so crucial to building a high performing team. It's having that open, honest, consistent dialogue. So I think that's my step one. Okay. I'm writing these down. Perfect. Okay. Anything else? I think ensuring that there is that shared, understood objective. Yeah. I've got that one. So I think we talked about it, but kind of that clarity around what your or aiming for that yeah. doesn't have to be financial metrics like in my example where it was sales performance it can be whatever it is but that everybody is clear on what matters and mm. getting rid of the clutter that affects mm. you delivering the focusing on what matters mm. um if that makes any sense so you know it's it's critical in creating clarity and clarity breeds confidence yeah confidence creates performance yeah and um, and so that real shared understanding of what it is that you're aiming for both as a team and as an individual, because they should link is really crucial. And I think that's a nice build on that Susie, which is the individual element. So I think the first thing is ensuring that the objective is clear, that yeah. the whole team is, is aiming to achieve and then ensuring that every individual understands what their contribution is to that yeah. and what their role and responsibility is to it. So Definitely. I think those like one sort of two layers together is, is important. And then having that consistency around how you as a team are going to get together, how you're going to communicate and how you're going to review 
performance together. Yeah. And also how you're going to empower each other Mm. to go and deliver and empower others to go Mm. and do that. Because, you know, we've talked about it before, but, you know, it's it can be tempting to micromanage, like especially if there is pressure there, there's, you know, big performances to go and deliver. But actually that will do the exact opposite of what you're trying to achieve because you'll stifle people Mm. and they won't feel trusted and they won't feel empowered and to go away and and do what they're good at and harness their individual strengths like you were talking about Mm. before. And so that empowerment, as well as that consistency of the way you operate as a team uh, need to kind of go together. Yeah. And I know in high performing teams I've worked with, we have agreed up front how we want to work together. So we've kind of created a list of operating principles. Yeah. So in terms of ensuring that we're all respecting one another and each other's preferences and styles for communication and for feedback, Mm -hmm. because I said, we're not all the same and, and that's absolutely fine. Some of us are really comfortable with uh conflict some of us are comfortable to be upfront but others aren't and and that's not a problem it's about respecting that and adjusting and flexing our approach so I know that the high performing team that I worked in and the example I use we actually had a a kind of a bit of a charter it wasn't as formal as that we just all had agreed in a in a one of our early meetings that this is how we agree to operate together and we all support it so that actually that held us all to account to your point around accountability, because we'd had the opportunity to contribute to this. We'd all kind of like in inverted commas signed up to it. So then we could yeah. hold each other to account. So actually when there were some challenging conversations to be had, I recall saying to people, guys, we agreed that this is how we would do this, but we're not following it. So yeah. is that because we've changed our minds? Is that because there's an alternative or is that simply because We're not doing what we said we were going Mm. to do because we need to stop and just adjust and follow through with what we committed. And that was around things like, and it sounds probably a little bit basic now, but it worked really well, which was everybody's opinion matters. So we need to give each other the space to talk and share. So therefore we won't interrupt. So it doesn't matter how passionate we're becoming or how opinionated we are about something we're going to give each other the space to share and we we won't interrupt and we were very good actually if someone did interrupt someone else would go hang on we promised we wouldn't do that yeah don't don't do it let them speak and it was it was things like that and it was you know if we have a problem we'll talk about it we won't shy away from it and and I think I remember saying we we had one that I quite liked which was we we except that we may not always agree but we will align to one another which was always which was a really interesting one because when you've got a lot of opinions in a space it can you can get very hung up on aiming to agree like we all have to agree that that's the right thing to do and actually at times it would really like hold things up we'd go around in circles so we got to this point where we had a principle of it's okay if we don't agree as long as we align. Yeah. So like if it's, it was a bit like if it's 80% there, it's good enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, otherwise we're never going to take that step. And that was a really interesting one. Yeah. It's we done, kind of, but it's not perfect. Yeah. We kind of had this principles of how we would work together. Mm. And that was, we, we put it up there right at the start and, and it all agreed it. And that was, uh, I remember feeling at the time, God, I felt like I was working in a really safe, secure place because I understood those principles and mm-hmm. I would work towards it. And I knew that everyone else had agreed it. So it was okay. Like that was, that was really cool. That Brilliant. Was. It's now time for this week's listener question. This is where you, the listener, send us your workplace dilemmas or questions and we try and answer them and offer some suggestions. This week, it is Jules. Hi, Susie and Lisa. Loving the podcast, ladies. I'm Jules from Home Firth. I've got a question that I'm hoping to get your thoughts on, really. Um, I've recently started a new role and I'm really struggling to gel with one person in particular on the team. 
Uh, I don't normally have trouble building rapport and relationships with work colleagues, but I'm finding this one um, a particular tricky nut to crack. So any thoughts or suggestions that you guys have would be hugely appreciated. Thank you. Thanks, Ooh. Jules. Thanks for taking the time to do your question and sending that in. I think uh, building rapport and a relationship with a work colleague is probably something that everybody has experienced at some point or another. Uh, I definitely have. Um, so my kind of top tips would be firstly, um, if you haven't already, try and just get to know them a bit more um, than just their job role. Um, so this would be kind of getting to know them a little bit more as a person. So paying attention to what they tell you uh, and to just give you a better understanding of them and their world and perhaps what's important to them, not necessarily in work, but out of work as well. Um, and maybe even just kind of going about things. So, for example, like a friendly gesture. So now we're back in a bit more working in the office. If you can, um, you know, maybe making them a coffee or asking if they would like one. Uh, if my husband's listened to this, please take note of this as we also work <laughs> from home. Might be good for you to make coffee now and again. Uh, so, yeah, friendly gesture there can be powerful. Um, and just being polite. And I think just taking a moment to like ask them how their weekend was or um, did they enjoy their like recent trip away or anything like that. Just to take a second just to kind of reach out to them and, and show you're interested in them more than just what they do in their job. Um, and I think those small apps can help really build rapport and hopefully make your interactions just like a little bit more enjoyable in the day-to-day -day. um Lisa I think I know what you're going to say if not in reaction to to Jules's question uh, to be fair my first thought was actually get to know them ah okay ah. I'll take it back I'll take it back so I am aligned I am aligned no I think my instinct is to call it out to them yeah they I don't think we're getting on here what's going on. But I think the more appropriate and right approach is to try and get to know them first and gain an understanding of what they're about, what's important to them, what's different about each of you, but also where do you have similarities and where can you connect? Because we can all connect with each other at, on some level. So I think that is the right approach to take and just understand what's going on for them because well, you don't really know what's going on for them actually there might be this awkwardness between you but it's actually got nothing to do with you so I think it's it's taking the time and effort to do that first and then if that doesn't then work and there's still something not clicking then you know talk to them about it and just say look because you by that point you've invested time and effort and, and you've tried yeah get to know them so that's what I would suggest so yeah cool all right then so if those of you who are listening have your own thoughts on this and would like to share or have a question for us to answer please get in touch email us at hello at the coachingcast.co.uk or send us a message on instagram at the coaching cast it's now time for bullshit bingo where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace which make us cringe Today's bullshit bingo is from John, who emailed us this one, and it is by close of play. <laughs> what, Susie, what are your thoughts on this? I know mine on this one. <laughs> now, I've used this 100%. I'm going to call it. Uh, I have used by close of play. But I have to say, I've used it in a work context where normally I've not been doing much what I would deem as play, for sure. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I think uh, it, could, it definitely could be a bullshit bingo for sure. But I'm not sure it's probably one that I would, is one of my favourites because of just how often I've used this in my career. I've used it loads of times. Like, and I've, I'm that wanker that does the abbreviation as well. COP. Oh, yes. I forgot about the abbreviation. Yeah, definitely use COP in emails. Like, mortifying. Close of play. To be fair, it's so in my vocabulary. I have to be careful. I actually don't use it in 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 casual settings, like <laughs> or in like messages. 
like cop i mean what a tip so yeah i hold my hands up like i definitely use this like it's it but i don't know is it a bullshit thing yeah i suppose it is a bullshit bingo. <laughs> i can't just sort of excuse and go no it's not a bullshit bingo because i use it <laughs> so no it is a bullshit bingo thanks john i'm going to stop using clays of play to be fair i have tried to curtail my usage of this and the cop abbreviation <laughs> so now i'm going to try even harder <laughs> <laughs> thanks john cheers john We are coming to the end of today's episode where we've been talking about team performance, specifically exploring the idea of high performing teams. (laughs) Our tips from today for you to go and try are number one, firstly, as Lisa said, check that everybody wants to be there. Number two, Make sure everybody is clear on what you're aiming for as a team, but also individually as well. Number three, create opportunity and encourage open and honest dialogue. And this is especially important if you are a leader of a team. And number four, always ask and probe for solutions and recommendations from everybody to create inclusivity within the team. So they are our number four, top tips. Also try and ask yourself the following questions this week and also you can ask others as well. So number one, what would be your description of a high performing team? Number two, think of the best team you've ever been a member of or perhaps are in presently and also think what was present and what was absent from that team. And number three, what is the main aim or purpose of a team you are a member of? We hope you enjoyed today and have some ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. And you can contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or on Instagram at thecoachingcast. Your support means everything. Therefore, if you like what you've heard, then please give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Leave us a review on Apple and Google Podcasts. And most importantly, subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on YouTube by searching The Coaching Cast. Our episode next week is our season finale. Unbelievable. So tune in next week for our end of season two celebrations before we take a little break over the summer. We both love music and use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next Zoom or Teams meeting. It's my choice this week and I have chosen another 80s classic. I believe it's 80s. I've had a few this season. It is Donna Summer, State of Independence. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember, you've got this.